Hello, all. Today, I am reading chapter one of Through the Looking Glass and what Alice found there. Um, chapter one is called Looking Glass House. Um, apologies in advance. I am outside again because I do really like reading on this a porch that has a nice little swing. And me and Chi Chi needed to take a break from being inside. So I am reading outside. And unfortunately, there is um, a crew working and they're very loud. Hopefully that doesn't um, change how much or how you can hear me. Um, I'm going to try to talk very clearly and loudly and I hope for the best. All right. Chapter one, Through the Looking Glass. Or uh, chapter one of Through the Looking Glass is Looking Glass House. One thing was certain and that the white kitten had had nothing to do with it. It was the black kitten's fault entirely for the white kitten had been having its face washed by the old cat for the last quarter of an hour and bearing it pretty well considering. So you see that it couldn't have had any hand in the mischief. The way Dinah washed her children's faces was this. First, she held the poor thing down by its ear with one paw. <laughs> then with the other paw, she rubbed its face all over the wrong way, beginning at the nose. And just now, as I said, she was hard at work on the white kitten which was lying quite still and trying to purr, no doubt feeling that it was all meant for its good. But the black kitten had just finished with, uh, had just been finished with earlier in the afternoon. And so while Alice was sitting curled up in the corner of the great armchair, half talking to herself and half asleep, the kitten had been having a grand game of romps with the ball of worsted Alice had been trying to wind up. Um, just so you guys know, a ball of worsted is like a ball of yarn <clears throat> or something similar to that. And had been rolling it up and down until it had all come undone again. And there it was spread over the hearth rug, all knots and tangles with the kitten running after its own tail in the middle. Oh, you wicked, wicked little thing, cried Alice, catching up the kitten and giving it a little kiss to make it understand that it was in disgrace. <laughs> really, Dinah? Ought, you, ought, ought to have taught you better manners. You ought, Dinah. You know you ought. She added, looking reproach, reproachfully at the old cat and speaking in as cross a voice as she could manage. And then she scrambled back to her armchair, taking the kitten and the worsted with her and began winding up the ball again. But she didn't get on very fast as she was talking all the time. Sometimes to the kitten and sometimes to herself. Kitty sat very demurely on her knee, pretending to watch the progress of the winding, and now and then putting out one paw and gently touching the ball as if it would be glad to help if it might. Do you know what tomorrow is, Kitty? Alice began. You'd have, you'd have guessed if you'd uh, been up at the window with me. Only Dinah was taking, making you tidy, so you couldn't. And I was watching the boys getting in the sticks for the bonfire. And... It wants plenty of sticks, Kitty. Only it got so cold and it snowed, so they had to leave off. Never mind, Kitty. We'll go see the bonfire tomorrow. Here, Alice wound two or three turns of the worsted around the kitten's neck just to see how it would look. This led to a scramble in which the ball rolled down upon the floor and yards and yards of it got unwound again. Do you know... I was so angry, Kitty, Alice went on, as soon as they were comfortably settled again. 
When I saw the mischief you had been doing, I was very nearly opening the window and putting you out in the snow. And you'd have deserved it, you little mischievous darling. What have you got to say for yourself? Now, don't interrupt me, she went on, holding up one finger. I'm going to tell you all your faults. <laughs> Number one, you squeaked, a, um, you squeaked twice while Dinah was washing her face this morning. Now, you can't deny it, Kitty. I heard you. What's that you say? Pretending that the kitten was speaking. Her paw went into your eye? Well, that's your fault for keeping your eyes open. If you'd shut them tight, it wouldn't have happened. Now, don't you make any more excuses, but listen. Number two. You pulled Snowdrop away by the tail, just as I had put down the saucer of milk before her. What, you, what, were you thirsty? Were you? How do you know she wasn't thirsty, too? Now for number three, you unwound every bit of worsted while I wasn't looking. That's three faults, Kitty, and you've not been punished for any of them yet. You know, I'm saving up all your punishments for, when, for Wednesday week, um, and that kind of means that it's exactly one week from Wednesday. So she's saving up the punishments for the kitty until the next week on Wednesday. I don't know why it's said like that. That's interesting. Suppose they had suppose they had saved up all my punishments, she went on, talking to herself more than the kitten. What would they do at the end of the year? I should be sent to prison, I suppose when the day came, or, let me see, suppose each punishment was going to be without, was, was to be going without dinner, then when the miserable day, miserable day came, I should go without 50 dinners at once. Well, I shouldn't mind that much. I'd far rather go without them than eat them. <laughs> Do you know the snow against the window panes, Kitty? How nice and soft it sounds. Or do you, I'm sorry, it says, do you hear the snow against the window panes, Kitty? How nice and soft it sounds. Just as if someone was kissing the window all over outside. I wonder if the snow loves the trees and fields, that it kisses them so gently. And then it covers them up snug, you know, with, quite, with a white quilt. And perhaps it says, go to sleep, darlings, till the summer comes again. And when they wake up in the summer, kitty, they dress themselves all in green and dance about whenever the wind blows. Oh, that's very pretty, cried Alice, dropping the ball of worsted to, to clap her hands. <laughs> and I do so wish it was true. I'm sure the woods look sleepy in the autumn. When the leaves are getting brown, <clears throat> Kitty, can you play chess? Now, don't smile, my dear. I was asking it seriously, because when we were playing chess just now, you watched as if you understood it, and then I said check, and you purred. Well, it was a nice check, Kitty. And really, I might have won if it hadn't been for that nasty night that came wriggling down along my pieces. Kitty, dear, let's pretend. And here, I wish I could tell you half the things Alice used to say, beginning with her favorite phrase, let's pretend. She had had quite a long argument with her sister only the day before, all because Alice had begun with, let's pretend we're kings and queens. <laughs> And her sister, who liked being very exact, had argued that they couldn't because there were only two of them. And Alice had been reduced to, at last to say, well, you can be one of them and I'll be the rest. And once she had really frightened her old nurse by shouting suddenly in her ear, nurse, do let's pretend that I'm that uh, hungry hyena and you're a bone. <laughs> um, but this is taking us away from Alice's speech to the kitten. By the way, I just want to make a little pause here. Um, what do you think about 
what's going on so far in this book. Um, this book of Through the Looking Glass and what Alice found there. So far, the characters are very minimal. She's kind of talking to herself. And so I just wanted you to think about for a second why that might be. Why she's talking to the kitty and why she's talking to herself. Okay, back to it. Let's pretend that you're the Red Queen, Kitty. Do you know, I think, if you sat up and folded your arms, you'd look exactly like her? Now, do try. There's a dear. And Alice got the Red Queen off the table and set it up before the kitten as a model for it to imitate. However, the thing I didn't, that the thing didn't succeed principally, Alice said, because the kitten wouldn't fold his arms properly. So to punish it, she, she held up the looking glass that, um, that it might see how sulky it was. And if you're not good directly, she added, I'll put you through the looking glass house. How would you like that? Now, if you only attend, Kitty, and not talk so much, I'll tell you all my ideas about the looking glass house. First, there's the room you can see through the glass. And that's just the same as our drawing room. Only the things go the other way. I can see all of it when I get up upon the chair. All but the bit just behind the fireplace. Oh, I do so wish I could see that bit. I want so much to know whether they've a fire in the winter. You never can tell. You know, unless our fire smokes and then smoke comes up in that room too, but that may be only pretense, just to make it look as if it had a fire. Well then, the books are something or the books are something I like our books. Or something like our books. Only the words go the wrong way. I know that because I held up one of the books to our glass and then they hold up in one of the other rooms. Hold on, let me re let me re say that sentence because that was uh, kind of a mess. Um, go back to, well, then, the books are something like our books, only the words go the wrong way. I know that because I've held up one of our books to the glass, and then they hold up one in the other room. How do you like to live in the looking glass house, Kitty? I wonder if they'd give you milk in there. Perhaps the looking glass milk isn't good to drink. But, oh, Kitty, now we've come to the passage. You can just see a little peep of the patches, passage in the looking glass, um, ha, looking glass house. If you leave the door of our drawing room wide open, it's very like our passage as far as you can see. Only I know it may be quite different on beyond. Oh, Kitty. Ooh, that was loud. Sorry, guys. Oh, Kitty. How nice it would be if we were, if we could only get through the looking glass house. I'm sure it's got, oh, such wonderful things in it. Let's pretend there is a way of getting through on, uh, through into it somehow, Kitty. Let's pretend the glass has got all soft gauze. It's got all soft like gauze so that we can get through. Why, it's turning into a sort of mist now, I declare. It'll be easy enough to get through. She was up on the chimney piece while she said this, though she hardly knew how she got there. And certainly the glass was beginning to melt away, just like a bright silvery mist. In another moment, Alice was through the glass and had jumped lightly down into the looking glass room. The very first thing she did was look, what, look whether there was a fire in the fireplace, and she was quite pleased to find that there was a real one blazing away as brightly as the one that she had left behind. So I shall be as warm here as I am in the old room, thought Alice. Warmer, in fact, because there is no one here to scold me away from the fire. 
oh, what fun it'll be when they see me through the glass in here and can't get at me. Then she began looking about and noticed that what could be seen from the old room was quite uncommon and uninteresting, but that it, but all the rest was as different as possible. For instance, the pictures on the wall next to the fire seemed to be all alive, and the very clock on the chimney piece, you know, you can only see the back of it in the looking glass, had got a face of a little old man, and it grinned at her. They don't keep this room so tidy as the other Alice thought to herself as she noticed several of the chessmen down in the hearse among the cinders. But in another moment, with a little oh of surprise, she was down on her hands and knees watching them. The chessmen were walking about two and two. Here are the Red King and the Red Queen, said Alice said in a whisper for fear of frightening them. And there are the White King and the, and the White Queen sitting on the edge of the shovel. And here are two castles walking arm in arm. I don't think they can hear me. She went on as she put her head down closer. And I, near, I am nearly sure that they can't see me. I feel somehow as if I were invisible. Here, something began squeaking on the table behind Alice, and it made her turn her head just in time to see one of the white pawns roll over and begin kicking. She watched it with great curiosity to see what would happen next. It is the voice of my child, the white queen cried out as she rushed past the king so violently that she knocked him over among the cinders. My precious lily, my imperial kitten. She began scrambling wild up the side of the fender. Imperial fiddlestick, said the king, rubbing his nose, which had been hurt by the fall. He had the right to be a little annoyed with the queen, for he was covered with ashes from head to foot. Alice was very anxious to be of use, and as the poor little Lily was nearly screaming herself into a fit, she hastily pick up, picked up the queen and set her on the table by the side of her noisy little daughter. The queen gasped and sat down. The rapid journey through the air had quite taken her breath away away her breath, and for a moment or two she could do nothing but hug little, little, little Lily in silence. As soon as she had recovered her breath a little, she called out to the white king, who was sitting sulkily along among the ashes. <clears throat> Mind the volcano! What volcano? said the king, looking up anxiously into the fire as if he thought that it was the most likely place to find one. Blew me up, panted the queen, who was still a little out of breath. Mind you, come up the regular way. Don't get blown up. Alice watched the White King as he slowly struggled from bar to bar until at last she said, why, you'll be hours and hours getting to the table at that rate. I'd far better help you, hadn't I? But the King took no notice of the question. It was quite clear that he could neither hear nor see her. Hear her nor see her. So Alice picked him up very gently and lifted him across more slowly than she had lifted the Queen. That, the, that, that she mightn't have taken his breath away, but before she put him on the table, she thought she might as well dust him a little. He was so covered with ash, ashes. She said, afterwards that the, uh, she said afterwards that she had never in her whole life such a face as a king made, had never seen all in her life such a face as the king had made. When he found himself held in the air by an invisible hand and being dusted, he was far too, aston too much astonished to cry out, but his eyes and his mouth went on getting larger and larger and rounder and rounder till her hand shook with so much laughing that she nearly let him drop upon the floor. Oh, please don't make such faces, my dear, she cried out, quite forgetting that the king couldn't hear her. You make me laugh so that I can hardly hold you and don't keep your mouth open so wide. All the ashes had uh, had... All the ashes will be 
get all the ashes will get into it there now i think you're tidy enough she added as she smoothed his hair and set him upon the table near the queen the king immediately fell flat on his back and lay perfectly still and alice was a little alarmed that she had done and went what she had done and went around the room to see if she could find any water to throw over him however she could find nothing but a bottle of ink and when she got back with it, she found that he had recovered, and he and the queen were talking together in frightened whispers so low that Alice could hardly hear what they said. The king was saying, I assure you, my dear, I turned cold to the very ends of my whispers, to which the queen replied, you haven't got any whispers. The horror of that moment, the king went on, I shall never, never forget. You will, though, the queen said, if you don't make a memoriam, a memoriam, a memoriam dumb out of it. Alice looked on with great interest as the king took the enormous um, memoriamed book out of his pocket and began writing. A sudden thought struck her, and she could hold. Uh, and she took hold of the end of the pencil, which came some way over his shoulder, and began writing for him. The poor king looked puzzled and unhappy and struggled with the pencil for some time without saying anything. But Alice was too strong for him, and at last he pant panted out. My dear, I really must get a thinner pencil. I can't manage this one a bit. It writes all manners of things that I don't intend. What manners of things, said the queen, looking over the, uh, over the book in which Alice had put, the white knight is sliding down the poker. He balances very badly. That's not a, memor a memorandum, <laughs> memorandum of your feelings? There was a book lying near Alice on the table, and while she sat watching the white king, for she had still, for she was still a little anxious about him and had the ink all ready to throw over him in case he fainted again. She turned over the leaves to find some part that she could read. For it's all in some language I don't know, she said to herself. It was like this. And just so you guys know, if you can't see it, but hopefully you can, there's a picture um, and it shows backwards writing. It looks like we co were and then it says she's and then it was oh I said that the right way e dam da e dama this sis something and something bid something this something something yeah <laughs> or uh, <laughs> and it keeps going and <laughs> it's definitely backwards words backwards words um Okay, she puzzled over this for some time, but at last a bright thought struck her. Why, it's the looking glass book, of course. And if I hold it up to the glass, the words will all go away, uh, go the right way again. This was the poem that, Alum, that Alice read. Jabberwocky. Twas brig, brillig, and the slithy toes did gyre and gimble in the wabe. All mimsy were the bo groves. And the gnome rats outgrabe. Beware the jabberwock, my son. The jaws that bite, the claws that catch. Beware the jib jub, the jub jub bird, and shun the frumorous bandersnatch. He took his warple sword in hand. Long time the mansome foe he sought. 
So rested he by the tum-tum tree and stood a while in thought. And as in a fish thought he should, the jabberwock with eyes aflame, came whiffling through the tulgy wood and burbled as it came. One, two, one, two, and through and through the vorpal blade went snicker-snack. He left it dead, and with its head he went galumping back. And hast thou slain the Jabberwock? Come to my arms, my beamish boy. O oh, frabjulous day, Kaloo, Kalay, he chortled in his joy. Twas the prillig and the slithy toves did gyre and jimble in the wave. All mimsy were the borogroves, and the momraths outgrave. Just so you guys know, that poem is being sung by the Cheshire Cat in the movie Disney's cartoon version of Alice in, Alice in Wonderland and like we talked about before part of that book does or that movie doesn't make sense to us because it is from this book it's from Through the Looking Glass <clears throat> it seems very pretty she said when she had finished it but it's rather hard to understand you see she didn't like to confess even to herself that she couldn't make it out at all Somehow it seems to fill my head with ideas, only I don't exactly know what they are. However, somebody killed something. That's clear at any rate. But oh, thought Alice, suddenly jumping up, if I don't make haste, I shall have to go back to the looking glass before I've seen what the rest of the house is like. Let's have a look at the garden first. She was out of the room in a moment and ran downstairs, or at least it wasn't exactly running, but a new invention for getting downstairs quickly and easily, as Alice said to herself. She just kept the tips of her fingers on the handrail and floated gently down without even touching the stairs with her feet. Then she floated on through the hall and would have gone straight out that out the door in the same way if she hadn't caught hold of the doorpost. She was getting a little giddy, too, with so much floating in the air and was rather glad to find herself walking again in the natural way. <laughs>